Now I know time is against us today with the mission town in Newcastle this afternoon. So I just want to turn your attention very briefly <coughs> to the words of verse 9, the latter part of this introductory part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. I believe this prayer is one of the most important, if not the most important teaching in the Bible on prayer. We looked at the introductory remarks and and we concluded that this is a prayer to be used personally, privately. It's a prayer also that can be used quite legitimately, publicly. And it is a prayer which is a pattern for us to model our praying upon. That's why it's good for boys and girls to memorize the Lord's Prayer. And for older people to memorize the Lord's Prayer. And to keep it in your memory. Most of you, I'm sure, learnt it in Sunday school or children's meetings years ago. But it's good to keep it in your memory. One minister told me one day he was going out of hospital. And there's an old man called him over from his bed. And he said to him just there and then, he said, could you say the Lord's Prayer with me? Now, wouldn't he have been in trouble if he couldn't have remembered it? So it's good just to keep all of those things in your, your memory. The, this preface to the Lord's Prayer is certainly clearly set out in the Shorter Catechism question 100. We looked at that over the last few weeks. Uh, the preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is, Our Father, which, is, which art in heaven, teacheth us, To draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a father able and ready to help us and that we should pray uh, with and for others. So we're taught here a wealth of teaching in these opening words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. I love that collective pronoun. Our Father. And that teaches us how we are to address God how we are to approach God. It teaches us about our adoption into the family of God. It teaches uh, who we associate with when we come to our Heavenly Father in prayer. It teaches us about his ability to answer us because he is ready and able to help us. And it teaches us just the assurance that we have to come to him. What's the assurance that we have as we come to him? He's our Father. And do we need any more assurance than that as we come to him in prayer? He's our Father. Well, then we go to the second part, and this reminds us that he's in heaven. Our Father, which art in heaven. And this reminds us, theologians call this, the transcendence of God. The first part, our Father, it teaches us about the imminence of God. But this second part teaches us that God transcends all. It teaches us about his elevation above us, beyond us. This first part inspires our confidence and love. We we called that mercy last week. That's the mercy of God. He's our Father. But now we come to the second part and it teaches us about the majesty of God. There's mercy, there's majesty in these opening uh, introductory words of the Lord's Prayer. Every time we pray them, there's mercy. He's our Father. We sang in Psalm 40 today, I'm poor and needy, yet the Lord is mindful of us. Why? Because he's our Father. He's our Father 
But also we are reminded here of his infinite majesty. He's above us. He's bigger than us. He, he transcends all. He's our father which art in heaven. And by combining them together. I think we, we have a, a balance. A scriptural balance. As we approach on to almighty God. We're, we're brought, we are brought face to face with mercy and with majesty. And we're encouraged to come and to pray. Don't let the devil stop you coming to pray. The devil will remind you how unworthy you are. The devil will tell you he's not listening to you. The devil will discourage you in so many ways. And there are so many people I think. Even over the past couple of years. They have been knocked out of the place of prayer. But this is our encouragement. To come again to God in prayer. Why? He's our father. Though he's in heaven. He bends his ear. To listen to our cry. So what does it teach us? Well it teaches us first of all. About the supremacy of the father. Now this phrase. It shouldn't be misunderstood in that we think for a moment that God is confined to heaven and that he's nowhere else because God cannot be confined. He cannot be confined to buildings. He cannot be confined to locations because he filleth all in all. It's not what that lovely verse in Ephesians 1.23 tells us. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. There is not a part of space today, infinite space, where God is not present. And he's as much present in that infinite part of space and time as he is with us here and on alone. He's present with us. God not only fills all of time, all of eternity. He's equal in all parts. He's here with us. Oftentimes as we come to him in prayer, we're not conscious of that glorious, glorious fact. It reminds us of his greatness. He's a transcendent God. He's the great creator of all. He filleth all in all. When we approach God, we remind ourselves of his supremacy, one that dwelleth in heaven and our souls come before him and our souls are lifted up to him in prayer and yet at the same time we're kept humble. We're looking up but our feet are certainly kept on the ground because we're reminded who we are and yet the encouragement is despite who he is, the one who inhabiteth eternity, he dwells with those that are of a lowly and a contrite heart. One of the characteristics, I think, of this present age is lack of reverence. I think Tony Blair is a, a, to be blamed for a lot of things. The informality of the age. Hi, I'm Tony. That was his, his way of introducing himself. And, you know, that informality of the age has crept into the worship of God. And we love the informality of the day that we live in. And people today are more easy in that sort of chat show scenario than they are in the public preaching and in the public worship of Almighty God. And we like sort of that cosy interview. Uh, and that does not sit well with 
traditional evangelical reverent worship. I don't want the worship in on alone to be stayed. I don't want it to be, as it were, coming out of the ark. I, I don't want any of those things. We're definitely not any of those things. But above everything, I want it to be reverent. And people know they're in the presence of God. And people sense the presence of God. That young are taught that they're in the presence of God. That older people act knowing that they're in the presence of God. This transcendent God that filleth all in all. But he's our father. We need not fear him. As we come before him. We remember that he is on he is on the throne. We are on earth. Isaiah very vividly portrayed that scene. If you just go there a little minute with me. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12. Just take time to read this. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Isn't that amazing? You think of all of the oceans, the depths of the oceans, the volume of the water in the oceans. And in this metaphorical language, Isaiah says, God measured those waters in the hollow of his hand. It's just as if they were just a little, uh, as it were, spittle in the hollow of his hand. And he meted out heaven with the span. The span, that's the span. God measured heaven with the span of his hand. And he comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. All the dust of the earth. And he weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Isn't that wonderfully put? This is our transcendent God. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or, or being his counsellor who hath taught him? With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment? And taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. He taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Oh, here, here, here we are before the Lord. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. See all the might of the world gathering in Europe in the past week, the G7, the, the NATO countries, and uh, they're, they're versing Russia. And, uh, there's this great conflict of the age that's uh, lining himself up before us, preparing, is it preparing for World War III? We don't know, but we know this, that all of the nations of the world are as a drop of the bucket with God. Just you look into the bucket, you see, just a little drop of water in the bottom of it. All of the power, all of the resources, all of the atomic weapons that they have put together, they're just as a drop in the bucket with God. And yet he's our Father. Isn't that amazing? This mighty God, he's our Father. This phrase has something secondly to say about the spirituality of the Father. I think we ought to be careful here and not confuse the relationship that we have with God in earthly terms, in fleshly terms. The relationship that we have with God is far above earthly human relationships. 
God is a spirit. He cannot be touched physically. He cannot be seen physically. He is immortal. He is invisible. He is unfathomable. We cannot draw nigh to such a one with our senses, with even with our emotions. So how do we draw nigh to God? You do not need a picture of God to draw nigh to him. That is popery. You do not need it. You do not need images dotted around the church or pictures thrown around the church as it were to draw your heart out in a devotional way. That is something that our reformed forefathers opposed and and knew nothing about. So how do we draw nigh to God? We draw nigh to God by faith. Romans 5 and 2. In whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. All of those great verses, I will not take time to, to go through them. Ephesians 3 and 12, Hebrews 11 and 6, James 1 and 6. Let him ask in faith. We pray by faith, brethren and sisters. Sometimes in your own, in your own personal lives, in all our own personal lives, it gets difficult to pray. And we think sometimes because emotionally or even in our feelings, we, we don't feel like praying, so we don't pray. But do you only pray when you feel like praying? Is that the only way we draw an eye to God? When we feel like it? Sometimes when the prayer meeting is hard uh, and uh, there's those long silences, we, we need to exercise faith in acknowledging that we have a mediator in Christ in heaven and it is through him that we draw an eye to God. We don't draw an eye in our own strength, in our own power. And even when our own emotions are, are, are not in step with our own experience, we keep on praying in faith because God answers the prayer of faith. I want you to notice, thirdly, the sovereignty of our Father. Isaiah 66 and 1 says, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Heaven a throne, earth a footstool. God puts his feet, as it were, metaphorically speaking, upon this earth. One of the great commentators, I looked this up about the earth being God's footstool. A footstool is that which is placed under the feet when we sit. Maybe boys and girls, when you go to visit your granny or granda, or your great granny and granda, they might say to you, would you pass over that stool for me and they put their feet up on it? That's what God's doing here. He's reminding us who we are on earth. Earth is his footstool. And the idea here is that God was so glorious, so supreme, so sovereign, that the earth was regarded as his footstool. And that's why many people think that Jesus had this passage in mind in Matthew 5, 33-34. Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool. God has a plan for this earth. 
And God is working all over this earth. And he's working that plan out to his great glory and to his honour. Do you think God has left this earth? Do you think God has closed the books? And people are just doing what they want to do when they want to do it? I don't believe so. God has a plan. We, we oftentimes don't understand what is happening. But it's enough to know he's planted. He's planned it all. And we can leave it at his feet. And we can trust in God for the outcome. I, I remember going to speak to a dear friend and brother in the Lord. He had just got a, a terminal diagnosis with cancer. Everybody was devastated round about him. But he told me. He said he knew he was just a piece of clay with God that God could do anything with. He's totally sovereign. And this makes all the difference in the day of adversity. He's the potter, we're the clay. He can do what he wants with us. He's totally sovereign. I want you to notice, fourthly, because he is our father, he's able to supply our needs. He's high and lifted up, but he doesn't look away. He doesn't look away. He looks toward us in mercy. There are some people that are so high up there they don't see what's going on down here. But God, though, he's transcendent, he's sovereign, he's all of those things. He looks down in mercy upon his people. That's an amazing truth for poor sinners to comprehend. He stoops to show kindness to rebels. To supply our needs. James 1, 7 reminds, 17 reminds us, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Whatever your need is today, he's able to supply it. Maybe it's financial, he's able to supply it. Maybe it's spiritual, he's able to supply it. Maybe it's emotional, he's able to supply it. Whatever the need is, he's able to supply it. He's our, he's our heavenly father. He stoops from heaven. That's why we sang this morning the closing words of Psalm 40. Uh, in our metrical version, it says, I'm poor and needy, yet the Lord of me a care doth take. Thou art my saviour and my help, my God. No tarrying makes. May you prove it even today. Now this reminds us in closing of the Father's seat of blessing. There are multitudes across the world today and they're looking to the world for their blessing. They can't look up. They don't know how to look up. Maybe that's you in the meeting. You're looking for help but you're looking in all the wrong places, all the wrong directions. It is no small wonder that blessing is in such short supply because they're looking in the wrong places. A little verse that the Lord blessed to my heart many years ago in Psalm 27, Psalm 20 verse 7, it says, Some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. 
That's where the blessing comes from. Don't depend upon men. Don't depend upon men. We'll learn that in Ulster yet. Ulster evangelical Protestants are slow learners. We really are. We're slow learners. We're looking to London for help. We're looking to Stormont for help. All the time we should be looking to God for help. That's where the blessing comes from. And from that place of blessing, he draws nigh to us and he comes to our broken, needy hearts. And he reassures us, I'm able to supply whatever blessing you need today. I, I pray that the Lord will draw near to all of you. This marvellous preface, it, it brings us now to the six petitions that are in the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to examine them one by one over the next few weeks. And I pray that God will teach us to pray as we've never prayed before. And draw very close to all of our hearts.